new personality tests become popular every few years because we want to know what makes us tick. We want to know what makes us who we are. When I first began my ministry, it was the Gallup Strengths Finder survey. Multiple choice answers are standard for these tests. And after 15 minutes or so, you will know more about yourself than when you started. For instance, with the Strength Finders test from Gallup, I am an includer, relater. I have a strong belief and I'm self-assured, which means you put those two together. I'm pretty arrogant, but I'm also an arranger. Before there were strength finders by Gallup, there was Myers-Briggs, a collection of four letters to tell you who you are. I don't remember all of mine. All I know is that because I will be exhausted after church today, I know that I am an introvert, an I. Today we have the Enneagram. As a four with a three wing, I am, believe it or not, sensitive and introspective, while also being success-oriented and pragmatic. Being an Enneagram 4 puts me in the company of people like Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, and Leonard Cohen, along with Edgar Allan Poe, Marlon Brando, and everyone's favorite tattoo artist, Kat Von D. Personality tests help us understand ourselves better and, at the same time, help others know how to interact with us in the best possible way. To know the Enneagram or personality type of your partner or your spouse or your best friend or a sibling helps you in your relationship navigate times that are stressful, but also helps you better understand how that person makes decisions, what, how that person ticks. These tests reveal to us things that are present about ourselves that, for better or worse, make us who we are. These tests reveal the pre-existing conditions each of us has. While some pre-existing conditions are considered bad, or a liability to an insurance company that is more interested in its bottom line than the people it cares for, the things that make us who we are well, those things are a blessing. The things that make us who we are are a blessing from God. Who we are is who God made us, who God made you to be. So while some pre-existing conditions lead to a no, the pre-existing condition of who God made you to be is the yes each of us receives from our Creator. God's yes is your imago deiness, the things that are in the image of God that are also a part of who you are. Today is the second Sunday after the Epiphany, the second Sunday after when the church recognizes that the star that led the shepherds to the manger in Bethlehem was revealed to the Magi. You remember the Magi, right? They were the wise men who the hymns say traversed afar. The season of, of, of Epiphany is the time after Christmas, the time when the glory and wonder of the Incarnation is revealed. This is a time when we remember that not only was baby Jesus born of Mary and laid in a manger 
wearing golden fleece diapers. No, it's a time when we remember that Jesus, the babe in the manger, is the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, and the Messiah that Israel had longed for. Jesus Christ is the Savior that was needed then, and he is the Savior that we desperately need today. Our scripture reading is a continuation of the calling of the disciples. Before Jesus' encounter with Philip and Nathaniel, Jesus called Andrew and Simon. Andrew and another unnamed man, they were disciples of John the Baptist, the guy who baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And when Andrew and his unnamed friend heard John call Jesus the Lamb of God, the two men left John to follow Jesus. Jesus asked Andrew and the unnamed man what they were looking for and then invited them to come and to see. Andrew told his brother Simon what had occurred, telling Simon that he, Andrew, had found the Messiah so that he could see for himself. Simon went to Jesus. Jesus gave Simon a new name, Peter, the rock upon which he would Jesus would build the church. And then together, Andrew and Peter followed Jesus. And that brings us to Galilee today with Philip and Nathaniel. Jesus saw Philip and told him to follow him. Philip followed Jesus and then told Nathaniel that we have found him about whom Moses in the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. With a bit of skepticism and snark, Nathaniel asked, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, as we learned at Christmas, certainly, with God, anything is possible. Jesus tells Nathaniel that he saw him sitting under a fig tree long before he called Philip. Jesus saw Nathaniel before Philip told him what was happening. Jesus knew who Nathanael was before Nathanael knew what was happening. Before Nathanael was invited to follow Jesus, Jesus, because of who he is, knew who Nathanael was. The same is true of us today. Before Jesus invited you this morning to come here, to come and to see, Jesus knew more about you than any personality test could reveal. Nathaniel, like Philip, responds by declaring to Jesus that Jesus already know what already he knows what's true. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You, says Nathaniel, you, Jesus, are the one that we have been waiting for. Have you noticed something about our scripture readings over the past couple of weeks? Aside from being baptized, Jesus hasn't done anything. Jesus, John, the the gospel writer, calls the things that Jesus will do signs, and these signs will point to Jesus's Messiah-ness. Philip and Nathaniel, like Andrew and Peter, have responded to Christ's invitation to come and see, not because of what Jesus has done, but rather because of Jesus's pre-existing Messiahship. The Revised Common Lectionary assigns another story for this second Sunday after the Epiphany, the calling of the prophet Samuel. To say that God calls a person in that moment is not dramatic. It undersells what God is doing. 
God called Samuel to be a prophet while Samuel was asleep. Samuel heard a voice and he went to his mentor, mentor Eli and told him what was happening. Eli told him to go back to bed. But still, God called out to Samuel. Because you see, God's call is always persistent. Eventually, Eli, the mentor, realized what was happening, realized that his student was being called by the Lord and told his student Samuel to to prepare. We find out that all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Samuel was a trusted prophet of the Lord because the Lord would not allow Samuel's words to fall to the ground. Samuel was trusted because of who the Lord is and not because of Samuel's own credentials. The pre-existing lordship of Jesus Christ is what was called is what called the prophets and the disciples. And Jesus' status as the son of God and the king of Israel predates the calling of any prophets and predates the calling of all of the disciples. You see, John, the gospel writer, opens his gospel with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, with, was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through him, Jesus, and without him, Jesus, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him, Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of all the people. Samuel's response, along with Andrew and Peter's and Philip and Nathaniel's, is not the result of deliberation or choice. In all three scenes, there is no drawn-out time of discernment or trying to ensure that what is happening can be fully explained by reason. The proof they need will come in the three years that they will follow Jesus. The evidence they need occurs in the next chapter, when at a wedding in Cana, at everybody's favorite Bible story, Jesus turns water into wine. The proof they need happens in a few weeks when Jesus casts demons out of a man who had been chained in the cemetery on the outskirts of his town. The proof that they will need will occur when Jesus is transfigured before their eyes and the fullness of the glory of God is revealed. The proof they need will come when Jesus walks out of a tomb, leaving his burial clothes behind, and then invites Thomas to touch the wounds on the side of his body. The calling of the disciples, the calling of anyone by God to come and see, is more about is more is about more than saying yes, so that the Lord can send us out. Philip, Nathaniel, Andrew, and Peter were not called and immediately sent. Their sending will happen, but we have to wait three more years. After three years of seeing what Jesus was doing, they will be sent out to make more disciples, to baptize these new disciples, and to teach these new disciples to follow what Jesus had taught the first twelve. Before Jesus called his followers, quote, disciples, they were beloved. Beloved because of who created them. We are only who God says we are, no more and no less. So so no matter what number we might be in the Enneagram, no matter what four-letter Myers-Briggs designation we receive, no matter what four-letter word somebody might assign to us, we are who God says we are, and that is beloved. 
You are beloved before you are anything else. You are beloved before you are sent out to do anything in the name of the Lord who saw you sitting under a fig tree, who saw you sitting at a bar stool when you were at your wit's end, or who saw you in the car because you could not face the people in the house with the news you had to deliver. For Samuel, for the first 12 disciples, and for us today, the good news is that Jesus' pre-existing Messiahship, where all of the best qualities are of God and the result of who God is, is not dependent on us saying yes to God. Instead, it is a sign of God saying yes to us, yes to creation, and yes to seeing to it that the kingdom of God is fully realized. Amen.